Hey, everybody. Before we get to today's episode with Graham Ruthven, in which we talk a lot of Barcelona and try to make sense of the situation there, and then get into La Liga a little bit more after that, I wanted to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Fubo TV. Our friends at Fubo are the best. Uh, they offer, say, the family plan, where three people can watch simultaneously. That also allows you to get up to 500 hours of DVR storage, which is very useful with all the soccer that's going on, as we've said before. But the way that you can go about recording games is especially useful. I tend to say I'm editing and I'm kind of making sure everything is perfect uh, and taking my time with it. Sometimes I will miss a kickoff. Sometimes I will only tune in and it's like 55 minutes in of a game that I wanted to watch all of. If you hit record right there, it records the whole game for you. So you're not going to have to then find the first half on some dodgy stream or anything like that. It's all going to be right there contained on that cloud DVR, which is terrific. So if you're looking for games this week, there are several to choose from. Um, Later on today, I think about 10 minutes from the time I'm recording this, we've got West Ham hosting Chelsea. Uh, That's on NBC Sports, obviously. Tomorrow on NBC Sports as well is Sheffield v. Tottenham. Sheffield United trying to kind of right the skid a little bit. We've got uh, Sociedad Espanol. Both teams struggling in La Liga at the moment, one more than the other, but both not having a great time. So you could watch some teams try to turn it around. Uh, Man City will obviously not be turning around their title uh, challenge, so you can tune in to see a guard of honor if you're a Liverpool fan as Man City hosts Liverpool tomorrow afternoon and as well tomorrow afternoon or uh, early evening you've got Real Madrid hosting Hatafe. that would be their opportunity to extend their position on top of the table which I'm sure they will be trying to do because they're Real Madrid and they're very good and they like to win so with all that said it's worth remembering that Fubo TV will not disappoint and they also have other great quality programming like our friends the Cooligans you can enjoy them too stay updated on your favorite leagues as well as local broadcast news by going to Fubo.com TV slash TSS and start your free seven day trial today. You will not regret it. That's fubo.tv slash TSS. Start your free trial today. And welcome to the Total Soccer Show. I'm Taylor Rockwell. No Daryl Grove uh, with me today because instead I've got a man who's going to explain precisely what is wrong with Barcelona and provide specific details on exactly how they can win the treble next season. It's Graham Ruffin. (laughs) Graham, that sound easily doable for you? Oh, absolutely, yeah. They should just hire me to do the job. I don't know why they bother with these uh, qualified football coaches. Just get me. Uh, are they hiring qualified football coaches? I didn't know that. All right, cool. Uh, Well, let's let's start with with Barcelona uh, because as... The introduction sort of implied. Uh, we're going to go heavy on them, uh, at least up front. We'll get to Madrid topping the table, Atletico Madrid's performances, Valencia struggling, relegation candidates, all that good stuff. But the situation at Barcelona like, is likely going to be the inspiration for like several books a year or two from now. So I think we're justified in taking some time focusing on them. They drew with Atletico yesterday 2-2. That's their second draw in four days. There were some good moments in that game, as there were against Atleti. Then there were some very telling moments in a negative way. What were your thoughts watching that match? Did you think that Barcelona were going to kind of pull it out, they'd find a way through, that Messi would kind of elevate them again? Or did you see those sort of warning signs that maybe things weren't going to go smoothly? Yeah, I, I wasn't surprised at all by the performance that, that Barcelona put in against Atleti and, and also the game against uh, Celta Vigo a, a few days earlier, which they also drew 2-2. I mean, those two games... Obviously, the fixtures are coming thick and fast at the moment. I'm not entirely sure what day it is anymore. It's just one big, long, dystopian day with uh, you know football on every day. But uh, in the space of, I believe it's about four or five days, Barcelona's season has has come crumbling down. And, and I don't think anyone who has watched them um, over the course of the campaign will be that surprised. The thing with Barcelona is 
even in that game against Atleti, Atleti are in good form. They've they've actually hit the ground running since uh, the restart. But watching that that game, you you still get a sense that maybe Barcelona will pull, pull through purely because of Lionel Messi. He's done it so many times before, going back to the Valverde days, that these performances were also quite common, and he would come up big. And and he actually started the restart really well. Um, scored a few goals. He scored, uh, it was an own goal. I'm just trying to remember. Yeah, so it was a corner that he took that was diverted in with uh, Diego, by Diego Costa and then he scored from the penalty spot. So even last night, he, he's he's the only one really doing anything in, in, in the final third. Suarez had a poor game. Uh, Griezmann came on with two minutes to go, which was more insulting than just leaving him on the bench yep. entirely. Um, so not surprising at all. Barcelona are a real mess at the moment. There's a long, long way back for them. And at a time when Messi, um, how old is Lionel Messi? He must be, what, 33 now? Um, at a time, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so at a time when he should really have a strong support system, Barcelona should have that structure in place to make sure that they, they get the best out of him when they need it and also to prolong his career. The support system that he has at Barcelona is, is weaker than it has ever been, even going back to when he was when he was younger and he could do more himself and, and, and really um, they can't rely on him to get them through games anymore. I mean, he still does it more than is reasonable, but they cannot rely on him in, him in every single game and that showed last night. Let's stay with Messi for a moment, though, because much was made of the sort of the the cooling breaks when he was not listening to the coaches or allegedly not listening to the coaches, sort of ignoring them, walking away. There was the mm-hmm. the very telling image of uh, from yesterday's game of all of the Atleti players sort of surrounding Diego Simeone very tight, listening to everything. The Barcelona players sort of scattered, not really listening. Um, and I think part of like my concern or curiosity with Lionel Messi is just that I mean, he is a globally known player. My parents don't like really watch soccer, but they know who Lionel Messi is. Like my six-year-old cousin or nephew knows who Lionel Messi is. And I think with that comes, you know, obviously a lot of pressure, but also a lot of attention. And it, it does make me wonder, like, do you think there is a manager that can sort of like command the respect of Lionel Messi? Or is it just like, is that sort of missing the point that it is more so just a Barcelona specific? He's frustrated with the board. He's frustrated with the situation he's in. So the coach is almost immaterial because of everything bad that's happening. I would, I would lean more towards the latter. Okay. I actually think um, the, the Messi, um, the, the whole thing about Messi wanting the the right coach, or maybe even there isn't a right coach for Lionel Messi, has has been built up into a little bit of a myth. I don't think he's that difficult to work with. In fact, Ernesto Valverde was a favourite of Lionel Messi. He the, the story came out after his sacking in January that Messi was one of the the squad who was who was unhappy with that. He liked working with Valverde. He felt that was a hasty decision. Um, I think he's probably been proven right on that. Um, I think his frustration is largely with the board. He has stuck his head above the parapet in recent months and making statements against the against the board, both in terms of the 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 wage cuts. Not not as not he wasn't angry with the wage cuts themselves, but more the way they've been communicated to the players when the the coronavirus shutdown happened. He's spoken out against Setien, but you get the sense that it's not really against Setien himself. It's more against the, the 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 lack of direction that Barcelona have, and and the fact that they just dropped in a guy who was stylistically and ideologically the opposite of Ernesto Valverde midway through the season, didn't give him any players to to implement his own style, and just expected things to change. And 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 I think Messi um, has the influence 
to call that out publicly. You know, there aren't many players. Maybe PK is the other one who could do it. But other than those two, you know, they don't really have the, the standing to, to, to really call that out and for the Barcelona board to, to listen. Um, so I think that's what is on Lionel Messi's mind. I don't think Setien will be... I, I said on... A, I actually think it was another... Um, podcast a few weeks ago sorry to confess uh, podcast How adultery there <laughs> but I, I said um, before the restart I said I don't think Setien will be at Barcelona for the start of next season and I, I completely stand by that I think he will be gone I don't know who they will get in but I'm willing to bet that the problems will not be fixed by that successor either Barcelona's problems run really deep and it's not until there's a political regime change at, at that club that, that I think they will start to truly fix things or have a chance to fix things. So what does that regime change look like to you? The elections are, I believe, a year away. I'm assuming that Bartomeu will run or, or no, I think he's not going to run, but I'm assuming there's going to be a, like a coalition or a sort of like stay the course group. And then there's going to be a radical change group. And I'm wondering how you think that sort of campaign goes and maybe who's going to emerge victorious. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it is it, Bartomeu is, is 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 pretty much uh, gone as as Barcelona president. He's unpopular with the players. He's unpopular with the fans. He's unpopular with his own directors. I, I, this is there's so much has happened at Barcelona. I'm actually struggling to remember the story. But the, the directors left mm-hmm. maybe a few months ago. Maybe <laughs> I'm sorry. There's just he sacked, so well, much he sacked Zubizarreta, right? And that's sort of the start. Yeah. Of it. Yes. Yeah. And and. Um, so really, uh, the, the main candidate that everyone talks about is uh, is uh, Victor Font, um, who is positioning him, positioning himself as the 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 players, the legends candidate. You know, the, the the person who will bring Barcelona back to their roots, their identity. He's the one that um, Xavi Hernandez has uh, publicly kind of coupled up with, and and there is this uh, suspicion that. When he wins the 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 election, if that happens, and it does look that, that like look like that might happen, then Xavi. That's when Xavi will come in as coach because obviously uh, Bartomeu went to Xavi in January. He, Xavi was uh, Barcelona's first choice to replace uh, Valverde in January, and Xavi um, credit to him because he would have been going into a complete mess, and it must must have been difficult to turn down what he said as his dream job and the job that everyone talks about as if he's destined for. I mean, I watched a documentary on um, on uh, on Barcelona. Uh, I think uh, Graham Hunter had a role in it. And the, the, the final 10 minutes of it is about Xavi's destiny to, to one day coach Barcelona. So it, it must have been tough for him to turn that down. But that's that's partly down to his, um, his partnership with Victor Font, um, who is emerging as the... The front runner for this uh, presidential election, um, which I think, as you said there, I think has to happen by the middle of next year. It could happen any time before then um, when Bartomeu clicks his fingers. Um, but that's what Barcelona are waiting for. I don't, I don't think anything will change. I mean, even things, even down to things like the, the signings they're making. This week they, they sold uh, Artur to, mm. to, to Juventus and got Pjanic back and as much as Artur, I think the, the idea of Artur has been better than the actual reality. He is a player who's very much in the Barcelona style of, uh, you know, take the ball, pass the ball. But he, his performances were never really, a, you never really got more than a 7 out of 10 out of Artur. He, he was very consistent, but couldn't quite, he never really showed that he, that he had a high ceiling. But he's 24 years old. This is an, an aging Barcelona side. And then they're bringing in a 30-year-old Milan Pjanic, who... 
great player. I love Miralem Pjanic. I, I think he's been a great player throughout his, his career, but he's not going to have a long-term future at Barcelona. I don't know where he fits into this team because he's not going to replace Busquets. He's probably not going to replace De Jong, and he's probably not going to replace Arturo Vidal, who's become a, a key figure just because of his energy. He's not that sort of player. So what is that transferred down to? And And, and that's just an illustration of how there's a real lack of, mm-hmm. of direction, vision. What What's the grand plan at Barcelona? The, the people who are making the transfers don't really seem to, to have a, a, you know, they get distracted. They think, oh, we can get Pjanic, who's a great player. How does he fit in? They don't really consider that. And, and it's just a mess. Yeah, and I, I want to stick with that one for a moment because like, I think it, it certainly is a mess. And on the surface, that move really doesn't make sense because here's this young midfielder who you think could do the job. Pjanic is, as you said, a great midfielder, but you know, now 30, not quite the like youngster who's going to come in and revitalize the squad. I talked about uh, player amortization. Amortization? I can't. I don't know. I don't know finance. Uh, with David Amoyal last week. And it, basically, he was explaining that that's the key part of this equation is that though on paper, Barcelona are said to be paying, what, 70 million? euros for Pjanic, Juve are paying 80 million for Arthur, so it looks like, oh, it's Juve, it's a swap deal plus 10 million, but the way they're sort of structuring it, actually, I think both teams are going to come away declaring a 60 million euro profit, and from what I understand, that seems like what Barcelona need in the moment. They have to sort of find money, they have to be able to finance debt, they have to be able to finance uh, transfers. I believe I read that that Antoine Griezmann release clause was paid entirely with loans, so it also feels like they're sort of having to make moves that sort of betray that sort of underlying culture and identity of the club because they've got to find a way to make some money to finance some of the moves they need to make to stay relevant. Does that sound like a fair description of at least some of the motivation for this move? Yeah, absolutely. There, there is a, definitely a financial aspect to this. And, and Barcelona, before, even before the, you know, the coronavirus uh, pandem- pandemic struck, I mean, they were, they were in a pretty poor financial position. I mean, I think they have, by a long way, the highest... Um, wage to revenue uh, ratio I think I, I, I'm kind of plucking this a little bit off the top of my head but I think it's you know higher than 60% which I think in, in football if you're higher than 60% that, that that's a red flag um, and so yeah there is definitely a, I think the Paulinho deal going back to last summer was another one of those deals where Paulinho was actually quite a useful player for Barcelona and, and they sold him for a big fee uh, back to China, I think he went. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, that, that that was another one of these deals. It was p- purely about getting the right numbers in the book. But you know that that, that brings me back to the to the original point of, uh, but that, that Barcelona are in a mess right now. You know, both on and off the pitch. I mean, this is not how a club um, should be should be run at, at that level. I mean, Real Madrid um, have briefed a lot of journalists that they won't be making any moves. This summer, Donny van der Beek was was pretty much lined up to go there. It doesn't look like that's happening anymore. But they're not having to, to well, not yet anyway. We'll wait and see. But no, they're not having to 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 shift the books around to to get uh, you know a player with a long term future at the club out the door to bring in one that doesn't have a long term future purely to to uh, secure the financial um, footing of the, of the club. So it, you know, other teams aren't having to do this, and 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 Barcelona. From wages to transfers to style of play to management to boardroom figures to scandals, there was the the, the Twitter scandal with Bartomeu as well early in the year. Mm-hmm. It's a mess of a club. I want the the Twitter scandal. You mentioned earlier uh, Messi putting his head above the parapet, sort of kind of taking some shots uh, because he felt like he was uh, like that was necessary because he was kind of coming under fire. Um, 
And it does seem as though there is this sort of movement within Barcelona, specifically from Bartomeu, to kind of spread some information, to make the board look better, to make some of the players look worse. And, like, I don't know if you can, like, actually answer this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Like, in your experience and your understanding, how strong is the, for lack of a better way of putting it, like, the Barcelona propaganda machine? Because I read this article today that was sort of arguing that the problem with Barcelona, or one of the problems, is that Messi keeps asking for uh, increases in his wages. He wants new contracts, he wants more money, and then that raises the ceiling on what they can pay, so then more players want more money, but then once they're making as much as Messi, then he wants more. And it felt to me like a logical idea... And simultaneously essentially blaming it all on Lionel Messi because he's like greedy and that felt sort of at odds with what I've come to understand about Lionel Messi and also like the fact that he paid out of pocket to keep people's wages going so mm. is there an element of Barcelona sort of going after their players to try to keep them in check and sort of alleviate some of the blame I think there is definitely an element of the of what you mentioned there with the the Messi thing um it is it isn't in uh, Messi's character to be like that what I would say is a, a player of his stature has quite literally a team of representatives around him. So I, I don't think it's literally him knocking on the door of, of Bartomeu asking, <laughs> you know, for more money. It's a team of suits with briefcases, uh, you know, knocking on, on the door. Um, and Lionel Messi is run like a business pretty much. So, you know, he'll have very little say in that. Um, the, 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 yeah, the, the Barcelona propaganda machine is very, very powerful. Um, they have a strong hold over the Catalan media as Real Madrid have a strong hold over the, the Madrid media mm-hmm. as well. Um, there was a good example of that. Um, the first game back was the first game back was a Seville derby. Of course, it was but against uh, between Betis and uh, mm-hmm. Sevilla. And on the Friday, that was a Thursday night. And on the Friday morning, um, the front pages of uh, of the of the Catalan papers had literally no mention of that game, which obviously was the first game in, in three months. You know, the the whole world was tuning in, in to watch this game, and there was there was nothing. It was a story about Barcelona transfers, probably some line fed from Camp Nou to, to, to get them on the front page. And, and it's just a, a silly little example of how mm-hmm. Barcelona control everything. And, and the other thing to say about these sports papers in Spain and, and Catalonia is, you know, the, the, in the UK, we don't really have them. I don't think they're really a thing in the US. I'm not really sure, you know, sports papers on, on their own. But yeah, in, in, in Spain in particular, they do have them in Italy as well, but in Spain in particular, they, they are treated with the same, uh, they have the same standing as your, your daily uh, newspapers, you know, your, your full newspapers. So front pages matter. Um, lines fed to these papers matter. They make an impression and, and Barcelona are, are masters at, at, at doing that. Um, I think with the Messi situation, they... Messi needs Messi does need a coach that he respects and he also needs a president that he respects and and I think at the moment because his team of of representatives feel that they can get away with whatever with with Bartomeu and they, and they can go and get the, the extra money um they, they continue to do that I I think um I'm going on hunch a little bit here, but I think if they were to put their foot down and explain the situation, you know, if, if Victor Font comes in and says, look, we can't pay anymore because of the scenario that you just explained, Taylor, I, I, I get the feeling that Messi wouldn't have a problem with that. So mm-hmm. between, between the coach and the president, whoever that the new president is, they, 
they do need to stand up to Messi a little bit and if they do that and gain his respect as Guardiola did as Luis Enrique did as managers obviously I'm talking about and uh, Juan Laporta as, as, as president as someone that Messi respected I think that will help a lot of the, the, the toxicity at the club at the moment Hey folks, more still to come from Graham Ruthven, but first I wanted to let you know that we have a returning sponsor. It's HelloFresh. Uh, HelloFresh allows you to break out of your dinner rut with 22 plus seasonal chef curated recipes each week. That's a lot of recipes, uh, which is a useful thing these days. Uh, if you maybe don't want to go out to restaurants, if you're not entirely comfortable with that, I am not. Uh, we have been cooking a lot more at home. It turns out that's also good for your budget. Who could have possibly known that? Um, but with HelloFresh, they make it even easier for your budget and even easier to cook different meals than you might otherwise be having. You're also going to cut down on waste. This is a thing that I end up doing. Like if my wife says, hey, we need two ears of corn for dinner tonight, my brain is always inclined to get four because, you know, we want the extra. And then we don't end up eating it and we're trying to deal with that, HelloFresh does it for you. They send you pre-portioned ingredients, which means there's less prep, but there's also less food waste, which is a big, big thing. And then if you're worried about maybe the packaging or anything like that, uh, what they ship to you is made entirely from recyclable materials or it's already been recycled. That means their carbon footprint is 25% lower than the store-bought grocery-made meals that you might otherwise be enjoying. And they've got something for everyone, which is quite nice. Uh, They've got low-calorie, vegetarian, family-friendly recipes, and then kind of the standard classic ones with lots of great ingredients to go with them which is probably why they are America's number one meal kit. And they're number one in our hearts because they're giving you 10 free meals. You can go to HelloFresh.com slash TSS10 and use code TSS10 for 10 free meals with free shipping. One more time, HelloFresh.com slash TSS10 and use the code TSS10 for 10 free meals and free shipping. Uh, A link to that offer will be in the show notes. Thank you very much to HelloFresh for sponsoring today's episode and helping people cook better food more easily. Now back to Graham. So uh, I have a few more negatives uh, about Barcelona. Then I'm going to try to leave Barcelona fans with like some semblance of a reason for hope. But in the short term, if it is Setien leaving, which it definitely seems like it will be, if you're not going to get Xavi coming in because he wants to hold out in case Font does get elected. And like I think Xavi even said in an interview this week, like, yeah, my team and I are preparing to return to Barcelona, which some people took to mean he's coming back soon. Others took as more of a like, no, he's just going to keep saying that until Font is elected as a way to sort of keep him front and center. If it's not Xavi, if those elections are a year away, what do you think Barcelona do? Are they going to sort of look to academy coaches who have familiarity with the team or familiarity with Messi? Or do you think they'll try to go for a bigger name to show that they still have that power? Knowing, looking at looking in at what uh, Bartomeu has done mm-hmm. uh, the last few years in the transfer market, I, I, I think he'll go for a big name mm-hmm. um, just to kind of prove that he can, that the, the Barcelona can still get someone in. I mean, Setien obviously wasn't, a big name, but that he kind of bowed to the fans a little bit on that one. I mean, the fans wanted someone who would come in and uh, play attractive, passing, trademark Barcelona football again. And Bartomeu did that. He got the fans off his back for a few weeks, but didn't do anything else to ensure that Setien would succeed. And within three games, Setien's always been about a back three. That's kind of his... Uh, his trademark formation and that it was ditched after three games because he, he, he realised he didn't have the players to do it and he's not likely to ever get those players. So in terms of who could come in, the, the two that they approached before Setien were uh, Xavi and they also went to uh, Ronald Koeman, uh, obviously who has the, the Barcelona connection. They've, Barcelona have wanted him before. He's not quite, his destiny is not quite as strong as Xavi, but there is a, a sense that he will one day coach uh, Barcelona. But 
you know, I, I don't I don't see him going for that job either. I mean, the, the Euros are next summer. Um, yeah. You know, Netherlands are, are looking strong. And uh, I think Coleman has a has an awareness that things are not so good at, at Barcelona. So I think they would maybe go for, you know, maybe Max Allegri would, would come in there. I think he would be a pretty poor fit mm-hmm. for Barcelona. But he's free. He's a big name. He's a winner. Um, he'd probably want that job. Beyond that, I'm I am struggling a little bit. I mean, there, there there's reports every so often that you know Guardiola yeah. will go back to Barcelona one day. I think there's zero chance of that happening with this this regime. I mean, the the, the problem for Barcelona is they they're a club that they go after their own. They they keep them their own within the Bar- underneath the, um, the Barcelona umbrella, but everyone who you would naturally suggest as a candidate with that criteria, it, it doesn't want anything to do with the, this regi- regime. Even if they maybe privately sympathise with this this regime, I don't know if many of them do, but even if they did, they're, they're so, their image is so toxic now. And also you've got Victor Font, who's lining up to be the next president of, of the club. Uh, and, and so Bartomeu could be out within a year. So it, 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 it's a job with an expiry date on it, really. Um, so... It's a difficult one. I, 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 that's maybe the only reason Seti and will keep his job is because who else is going to take this job at the moment? The, I, the, I don't know. The Guardiola thing is uh, really interesting to me, and it's a good like reminder for me personally to pay attention to other leagues aside from the Premier League because I think we can get, or speaking for our show, we can get so focused on the Premier League that it's interesting to people who cover that, the pundits there, sort of almost throw off like, oh, Pep's not going to be there next year. He's going back to Barcelona. Like he, he's he's tired of Man City. He wants to be back in Barca. And then you do a little bit of reading, and it's like, no, he there's no chance he's going back to Barcelona. So I'm with you. So it makes more sense that he'll stay with Man City and continue to build, and maybe he too will wait and see what happens with those elections but Max Allegri potentially coming in so let's say it is Max Allegri here's my final sort of negative question about Barcelona what is their financial situation as you understand it are they going to be able to continue to just sort of throw money around because from what it sounds like they need to make they need to make some sales they will continue to do sort of things like what they've done with our tour to get some income coming in to be able to pay down some of their debt but this is a team who what summer 2016 they spent 125 million euros 2017 it's 375 2018 129 last year 273 million euros they spend that money and it hasn't really worked uh, because of a variety of different approaches to the transfer market what do you think this window looks like for them Barcelona need to sell players to to to, to get players in we've already mm. seen that with Artur um, before the coronavirus pandemic I would have said they, they had a good chance of getting quite a number of Barcelona squad is funny at the moment They've, the, 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 it's, a, it's a poorly balanced squad a, a lot of underperforming players but there are still players in there that are highly rated within the game so they would probably be able to sell on uh, Nelson Semedo as, as a good example you know Manchester City have been linked with him um, you know I know it's only a year but Griezmann hasn't fitted into this team but Antoine Griezmann's stock is still pretty high you could probably get a PSG or um I'm trying to think who else. I mean, I was going to say Arsenal, but they've got no money <laughs> at the moment. Um, so maybe not Arsenal. But you get my point. You know, Griezmann mm-hmm. is an attractive player to, to, a lot, to a lot of clubs. Samuel Antiti is another one. Uh, Junior Firpo only signed last summer, but again, a, a, another attractive player. Usman Dembele, the forgotten man at, at Camp Nou, you know, who cost 100, what, 130 million euros. His injuries have been really bad. They will get nowhere near that sort of money for him, but could 
could Barcelona before the pandemic could they have got 40 50 million euros for Dembele yeah they probably could have um now that now the landscape has changed a little bit obviously clubs are not spending that much money or that's what we're expecting um unless you're Chelsea um and so that might be a bit more difficult I mean the the, the player that Barcelona won and I actually think of all the mistakes they've made in recent years, this this one makes sense. I think they, if they get Letaro Martinez in as mm-hmm. the long term successor to Suarez, and they and they commit to that because obviously that's something they didn't do with Griezmann. You know, Griezmann. I think anyway, he plays in this Barcelona team is probably he's probably going to be a misfit. But the best chance that he stands is if he plays as the Suarez replacement as a front two with with Messi. Um, He's been stuck out on the left, um, and now he looks like he's probably going to be leaving Barcelona sometime soon, uh, or he's going to be sitting on the bench. But if they get Martinez in and commit to it and actually say, right, Suarez is getting phased out of this team now and Martinez is, is, is going in in his place, that could work because I think he, he plays the game in the same way. I think he is has that kind of like wriggly quality that Suarez has, you know, where you, you're not quite sure how he's still got the ball at his feet, but he does, and then he finishes it, and you're not sure whether it was a great goal or a terrible goal. But you know, <laughs> that's that's a little bit like uh, Martinez at, at, at Inter Milan. So but the the problem is there. He's his release clause is I think 111 million euros, which Barcelona, if 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 it's just cash, um, they're not going to be able to afford that. So there there's talk of who could maybe go to to enter even Rakitic is one that's always put into these deals i mean they try, they basically mm-hmm. drove up to PSG last year to try and get him uh you know to try and include him in the deal for Neymar there's been chat that he might he might be included in in this deal to send him to to enter with for for Martinez so it's it's going to take some creative thinking basically is what I'm what i'm saying you know they're going to have to include players in deals I'm always wary if you're a if you're a selling club, you know I I don't think those deals tend to work all that much. I mean that you look at the one I always think of is Sanchez and Mkhitaryan with Arsenal and Manchester United, where Sanchez was a flop at Manchester United and Mkhitaryan was a flop at Arsenal. You know, you, no one really gets what they want out of it, um, so they're going to have to think differently um, to try and get some of these players off their off their wage bill as well. You know, a lot of these players are on massive wages. They need to get them off their wage bill and try and mould it into signings that will actually improve their squad. Even though they're probably going to have to sell three to get one in, or or or, or four to get two in, or you know whatever. Um, it's going to be a challenging window for for Barcelona in so many different ways. Uh, and and flipping it around with the amount of players they have who maybe are surplus to requirement or just didn't quite fit or are young players who maybe aren't going to get the minutes. If you are a team with spending power in the Premier League or the Bundesliga, is there one or two? Are there a couple of players, Graham, that you would maybe look at as being a good? You could probably put in a thirty million pound bid or not even that, and and get this player who could be very good for you that maybe Barcelona aren't quite keeping an eye on. I think Sem- uh, Nelson uh, Semedo is, is is one that that springs to mind. There, he uh, you'll get a lot of Barcelona fans who want him to stay. There are a lot of Barcelona fans who think he hasn't been given a fair chance. Although he's getting a decent run in the team now, but every so often Barcelona will revert back to using Sergio Roberto in that position, who is really a midfielder who was converted into a right back. Um, so yes, Semedo uh, is one. He always gets linked with. Man City, uh, Guardiola's um, supposedly a bit of a fan of him. Other than that, I mean, 
Umtiti, he was brilliant when he first came to Barcelona. I mean, he was part of the. It was him um, that started at centre back alongside uh, Varane at, at the 2018 World Cup. I mean, that was the centre, the winning centre back pairing for 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 France. He, and really, since then, injuries have really taken their toll on him. He's lost his place in the team. And um, Clément uh, Longley has has been playing alongside Piquet. But for the right fee, I think Umtiti could be. Um, you know, worth worth something anyway. Um, other than that, I mean, it really just depends on the fee. I mean, if someone can get Usman Dembele fit and also to stop playing FIFA through the night, um, he could be <laughs> a good signing for someone. Play him in in a position where he can thrive as an actual winger rather than playing him in these strange hybrid positions that Barcelona have used him in. There could be something there. There, there, there are players. You know, that you look through that Barcelona squad, and and there's not many in there who you go are, are a lost cause. Um, that's the strange thing about this squad. It's just it's been put together so strangely that they're all, they're all playing in positions, with the exception of maybe a, a couple or two or three, um, that you say are, are not their natural positions, not when they're not where they're at their best. I mean, De Jong, Frankie De Jong is a perfect example of that. Frankie De Jong is a brilliant player, and I thought he was a perfect fit for yeah. Barcelona, and yet they're playing him... I wouldn't even say it's a number eight. It's 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 an eight, but can you drift out to the left a little bit and play as a little bit of a winger because you know Griezmann doesn't really like to play in the left. He drifts inside. Frankie De Jong is a perfect example. I mean, he's a fantastic player who should be perfect for Barcelona, but is being asked to do things that don't really suit him. And now his confidence is is struggling, and 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 he's in a bit of a hole where he needs to to find himself and find form again. So. Yeah, that 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 depicts a lot of the issues that Barcelona have. All right, so then let's let's try to give Barca fans like maybe a glimmer of hope. So let's fast forward a year from now when the elections happen. Is it the case that like should Barca fans who maybe grew up loving the Cruyff dream team or the successes under Van Hal or or Pep or Luis Enrique or what have you like they've kind of steeped in that Barca tradition? Is Font like getting the job, uh, taking over the club? Is that sort of a a step in the right direction in your opinion? Does that automatically signify like okay, we're getting a bit more normalcy here? Things are going to function a bit more as they should. Yeah, I think it's a step in the right direction. I mean, obviously, um, you know, presidential candidates, you can't really analyze like their stats like before a transfer. <laughs> you know, I can't. It really would be useful. At- it would be a good yeah. feature. I can't look at Victor Font's like past success rate and you know <laughs> see it <laughs> and determine whether he'll be good for the job. So you know, someone at some point thought Bartomeu would be a good um, yeah, that. you know yeah. fit for for the Barcelona. You know, there's a reason he won the the, the last election. You know, so uh, <laughs> this is where you play this back in you know two three years time, and Victor Font has burnt the camp now to the ground, and <laughs> Graham Rutherford has said yes, he's going to fix Barcelona. But <laughs> looking at the evidence, looking at the evidence now that we have, yes, it would be a step in the right direction. He seems to have a greater understanding of. I mean, we all know how Barcelona love the they rev on the whole kind of mescu and club uh identity they 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 um you know they, they like to think they they stand for more than just football and and i think they probably do um and they've kind of moved away from that under the bartomeo both in terms of the team on the pitch and also just the the, the general ethos of of the club um so victor font from what he says anyway um, seems to want to restore that he seems to understand that barcelona aren't just um, another football team. They, their fans expect them to play in a certain way, and, and also the players. You know, Messi has has been there for you know however long. Busquets as well. PK. They they've come through the academy playing a certain way. 
with certain values and certain principles and now it's they, those principles and values aren't really there anymore so the players expect it as well so I think he has a is a, a good grasp of that he has the right contact contacts we've we, we've um, spoken about Xavi already there's no guarantee Xavi will be a good coach I mean that's 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 a another thing that so a lot of people are assuming Xavi will come in and turn Barcelona into Champions League winners we don't know that but you know him going back to the club would certainly get Messi on side. Messi has, has, has spoken a number of times about how he thinks Xavi will be a, a great coach, PK as well. So that's that's one issue. You're not going to get dressing room revolts um, really under under Xavi. Um, so if, if that's a package, then that could be a, a step in the right direction. But yeah, Barcelona needs someone who um, understands the club a little mm. bit better. And I think Font um, stands a good chance of doing that. Hey, everybody, Taylor jumping in one more time. We'll get back to Graham. We're going to talk more La Liga. We're going to talk Real Madrid. We're going to talk what the future holds for a few more teams. But first, let's talk Sunday Scaries. Sunday Scaries are the sponsor of today's episode, and they are specially formulated CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that are super consumable and easy to take on the go. We've mentioned the gummies before. I have tried the gummies. I can vouch for what Daryl said. They are really good if you have to do research. If you want to get into a good book, they kind of help me focus in, relax a little bit so I can kind of focus on the text. I don't do that thing where I've read eight pages and then realize I haven't been paying attention to any of those eight pages uh, and then end up putting the book down. Instead, I kind of stick with it. Who'd have thunk that was a good idea when it comes to reading books? But then they also have lots of other products. I mentioned the bath bomb. Still fascinated by the bath bomb. They've got the YOLO energy shot that also has CBD. They've got the tincture, which makes me feel like I am both ingesting CBD and utilizing science, which is a fancy thing to do. And I think all of those offers, all of those opportunities to try different types of CBD in different forms formats is why Sunday Scaries has become a leading CBD brand for millennials, uh, which is why Sunday Scaries CBD gummies and CBD oil won top accolades from Forbes, Men's Health, Allure, and Best Products last year. Well done, Sunday Scaries. You can get 25% off your first order with the code SOCCER at sundayscaries.com. That's 25% off your first order at sundayscaries.com and enter the code SOCCER where it asks for a coupon on the checkout page. Find out what product might be best for you. Try that bath bomb. I want to hear how it goes. Uh, go to Sunday Scaries com. Use code soccer one more time. Thank you very much to Sunday Scaries for sponsoring this episode and helping me read books. It's always a useful thing. Uh, with all that said, back one more time to Graham Ruffin. All right. So Font uh, as president, Latoro Martinez scoring goals, Messi smiling as he gets instructions from Xavi. That's what maybe Barca fans should be looking for as an ideal scenario for now. Uh, but it's worth noting there are other teams in La Liga. I said up front we're going to talk a lot about Barca, but we should talk about that team they played this week, uh, Atletico Madrid, who you mentioned are in good form uh, since the restart. Was that a good result for them or were they also maybe looking to do a bit more than that 2-2 draw against the Barcelona team that haven't looked particularly cohesive? I think it was. I think it was. They'll they'll go home. They went home last night pretty happy. I think with a two-two draw. I think it speaks volumes of how well Atleti have done since the restart. That they arrived at the camp now almost as if it was a bit of a free hit, um, because they are comfortably in third position now. You know, at, at the restart, it looked like a real struggle for them to finish in the top four. I think they were maybe sixth or even seventh, maybe at some point uh, before uh, the, you know the virus struck. Um, now that uh, you know, they, I think they've won. They, they've not been beaten. I think they've won four and drawn two since the, the start, um, including last night's game. So they're up in third now. They've le- leapfrogged Sevilla. So you know, last night felt like a little bit of a free hit. They weren't. I don't think they would have been that gutted if they if they'd lost. 
which in the last 10 minutes, I think, I'm trying to think back to who, because obviously there's five subs now. That's a nightmare for match reporters. I'm trying to think. Yeah, it's not to great. Who, <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think who. So Lamar came on and Vitolo, it was Vitolo, in the last um, 10 minutes, which was an indication of it then scores at 2-2. Simeone kind of going for it a little bit in the last 10 minutes um, at the camp. Now, I think if there'd been more on that game, they, they maybe wouldn't have done that. But Atletico Madrid, they definitely have turned a bit of a corner. And, and there's one player who has um, sparked this more than anyone else and that's Marcus Lorente, which I did not expect to be saying at any point this season he's been converted into essentially an attacker I mean he's he, he's not even playing as a, a number 10 or an attacking midfielder which wouldn't have been that bizarre but he's playing as, as an attacker and you know, I'm going to use a Premier League example here because maybe um, some of your listeners are, are, are maybe a bit more familiar with the Premier League but it's, it's similar to Bruno Fernandes mm-hmm. at Manchester United you know it's not just the fact that Bruno Fernandes is a good player it's that just everything around him all of a sudden has kind of clicked mm-hmm. into place a little bit there's a better balance everyone is playing a little bit better looks a little bit more comfortable and that's it's similar with Lorente at Atletico Madrid um, he showed it in the, the game against uh, Liverpool obviously where he scored uh, twice to knock them out of the Champions League and I think that that kind of uh, was was an awakening for for Simeone, who said, "Hold on, maybe this guy isn't a holding midfielder as he's been playing his his whole career. Maybe he's maybe his qualities are actually better suited further up the pitch." And and that's been a a, a revelation for Atletico Madrid. I, I really mean that. It's been a revelation. It's saved their season. It's turned their season around. Diego Costa looks better up there with Lorente helping him. Yao Felix is contributing a little bit more. Koke. Is playing better. Uh, the fullbacks, Lodi and, and Trippier, have got a bit more of an outlet. It's just changed everything. So, yeah, I bet Simeone wishes he'd started the season playing uh, Marcus Lorente as an attacker because it, it has changed the landscape a bit for them. And, and has that come at the expense of anyone in particular? Has there been somebody who's sort of been uh, jettisoned to the sidelines so that Llorente can do good things? Yeah, I mean, Al- Alvaro Morata has, mm. has kind of become um, a secondary figure um, at Atletico Madrid. Obviously, he his, his move was only made permanent in January, so he's, he's probably cursing his luck a little yeah. bit that this has happened. Um, I, I don't think you should be too downbeat um, because even though Costa is playing better now, I don't think... I'd be surprised if he starts next season as as the, the, the first-choice striker. I think Simeone will... Um, probably phase him out of the team. He's he's struggling with playing kind of two games in a week, which is a bit of a problem at, at the moment. Obviously, when they're playing, you know, three, four games in a week, it seems like. Um, the problem for Morata is that Edison Cavani is now a free agent, and Atleti have been uh, batting their eyelashes at Edison Cavani for six months solid. So um, Costa might not be the problem for Morata next season, but Cavani might be the problem for him. I did. I actually wrote down you, the way you described Alvaro Morata, like three different things uh, could be his like unfortunate nickname. And I wrote down Alvaro uh, cursing his luck Morata, then crossed that down and wrote Alvaro hoping Diego Costa continues to age Morata. And now it's Alvaro Edson Cavani signed somewhere else Morata. Does that sound about right? <laughs> 
Yeah, that is that is pretty much it. Yeah, perfect. Um, I think the reason why I've I've focused so much on Barcelona in this uh, is because there there's a lot going on there. But it's also at this point uh, they've played a game more than Real Madrid, who are already a point ahead. It feels like Madrid will not drop enough points, if any points. They've got five straight wins that uh, is going to kind of make it a title race again. It seems like we sort of have our our three teams that are likely to go down in Mallorca, Leganes, and Espanyol. So instead of sort of talking about like who's going to finish where and w- what else is going to happen, I think with Atleti, my question for you is similar to my question from Barcelona. Of like, What does this summer then look like for them? Do you think they're going to reinforce and will they splash cash the way they have a couple times? Or again, do you think because of the pandemic, it's going to be tightening the belt, sort of seeing what we have, maybe bring in somebody if the value is there, but otherwise Atleti will kind of stay as they are? Yeah, it's a good, it's a good question. There's not been as much of of uh, Atleti as as the two the two other big clubs in in, in Spain, um, I I personally would be surprised if they spend big um, this summer just because they went so big last summer with uh, you know Yao Felix um, what was he 130 140 was it a little bit less it was, than a that? Lot. It was over it was a 100 lot. million euros yeah, yeah it was a lot of money <laughs> more money than I have um, but. So and and I, again, I don't have the numbers to hand, but off the top of my head, you know their, their financial situation is is a little bit troubling as well. I mean, they were one of the first clubs with Barcelona to impose a a, a wage cut on their whole uh, first team squad, which was a little bit of a a, a warning sign. Um, I don't really know. I mean, there are some players at Atleti they could they could sell. Um, you know, Thomas Lamar is is maybe the the. At the top of that list, I mean, Lamar was their record signing two summers ago. He was quite a coup for them at the time. A lot of interest in the Premier League. Arsenal and Liverpool most notably wanted him. He went to Atletico Madrid and it's just, it just hasn't worked for him. He's he's played a little bit better recently, but in terms of the difference maker that Atleti thought he was going to be, he's, he's nowhere close. Um, so I think there's a chance he could move on this summer. Atleti are quite good at, there's a lot of turnover at Atletico Madrid. You know, if you look over the, the last few years, they don't wait around, particularly on, 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 on attacking players. You know, you look at someone like Jackson Martinez, who was a, a few years ago a massive signing for them from Porto, and he was out the door after six months. You know, they, they don't wait around. So I, I think there could be a bit of, uh, there could be some players leaving the club. Um, but I don't envisage that much business coming in, to be honest, other than. Cavani is the obvious one, and he he's a free agent, so you know they would they wouldn't need to pay um, you know any money for him. I think I think the picture for Atleti, particularly in the attacking positions, which is where most of their focus would be, is looking a bit better now that I've mentioned. Obviously, Lorente Costa's contributing. Morata is he's had an okay season. He's missed you know as is always the case with Alvaro Morata going back years and years. He misses a lot of chances, but his his goals figures are okay. Yannick Carrasco coming back in mm-hmm. January. I mean, no one, no one anticipated him one coming back to Atletico Madrid and two becoming a first team key figure in the, in the last few weeks. I mean, he looked he looked great last night against Barcelona. He was arguably the best player on, on the pitch for either team. So mm-hmm. um, he's improved the picture as well a little bit. So I, I wouldn't count on a big transfer window for them. You've given him another na- name, Alvaro Morata. Now it's Alvar- Alvaro. He's had an okay season. Morata. There we go. That's another good one. Yeah. Uh, so and the emphasis on okay is important there. I don't know if you can get that across in writing. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Barcelona's, uh, I think, loss was obviously Real Madrid's game as a, or gain. As I said, they're now top of the table by one point, game in hand. Um, 
I don't mean for this to be like discourteous to Real Madrid. I'm not trying to downplay their successes, but I would like to know your thoughts on is this the case that is it the case that Zidane has sort of got this team, he's figured them out, they're performing at this high high level that they should be performing at with the talent they have? Or is it that Real Madrid have been basically consistent in their performances at a time when, say, Barcelona have not? Mm-hmm. I, I think um, it's a bit of both, to be honest, which okay. I know is a bit of a, a cop-out answer. But I, I, since the restart, they have undoubtedly improved. They look much more um, coherent as a team. There was a game against, in particular against uh, Valencia, and to narrow it down even further, the second half against Valencia. We're watching that second half it all became clear. And, and, and I know that sounds overly you know, melodramatic, uh, a bit of hyperbole there, but it, it, it was like, this is it. This is the team Zidane mm-hmm. wants. Lots of hard running, lots of movement. Um, you had Asensio, Azar, uh, Benzema, Modric, all running from midfield, um, you know, cre- creating different angles and options and lots of interplay but all done at pace all all very fast all 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 very interlocking and at that moment I went this is it this is the team Zidane wants um and I think that they they've maybe not replicated that since and at the same level but there's been hints of it in the game against uh, Mallorca so Sociedad away was was a good result as well for them at the Anoeta to, to beat Sociedad although Sociedad are in a bit of free fall at the moment but uh, they 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 were always more consistent, as you said, over over the season. Um, even when Barcelona were one or two points ahead of Real Madrid, I thought Real Madrid would win this title just because they, their level is 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 more steady. Whereas Barcelona have maybe a higher ceiling. They will thump a team five, six, seven in a game, but they'll also lose more games than than Real Madrid. I think. Um, so Zidane, I think, deserves a lot of credit for what he's done at Real Madrid. I think he's still underrated as a coach. Um, people think it's very easy to go into a club like Real Madrid and win. It is not. Uh, Lopetegui will tell you that. Santi Solari will tell you that. Rafa Benitez will t- tell you that. All good coaches in their own right, with maybe the exception of Solari, but his hair is good, so we'll let him off. Um, and um, he's, he's, he's slowly but surely turned Real Madrid around you know they, they're, they're more solid their defence at the moment is, is astonishing I think it's the best defence they've had or the, the fewest number of goals they've conceded at this stage of a season for 32 years um, which is insane I think along with Liverpool they have the, the best uh, defensive record in, in, in the big five leagues in Europe their midfield looks pretty strong again although there's a, a question over Modric I think his seat contract is up is it up this summer? Maybe it's next summer. But he's coming towards the end of his contract. But yeah. he's been phased out the team with Ernesto Valverde coming in. Vinicius, Rodrigo, um, you know, give them some Brazilian flair on the wings. They're both still very young teenagers, so they're ones of the future. Benzema has really stepped up and forged a relationship with uh, Eden Hazard, which I think that's, this is maybe the difference between Barcelona and Real Madrid is Hazard was bought with that purpose. Mm-hmm. Real Madrid went out and said, OK, we think Ed and Hazard will will work well with Karim Benzema. And while Hazard had his injury problems and had the pandemic not struck, this would have been a bit of a, a, a strikeout of a season. He's got a bit lucky in that sense that he's had a bit more time to recover. But now you're seeing, OK, that the plan's coming together. Those two players are, are do work well together. And that is the partnership that you build this Real Madrid attack around. 
And I think that is a little bit of a difference. There's more planning with Real Madrid. They sign better players for um, the future. They give them chances. I mean, Vinicius, and uh, I mentioned them already, but Vinicius and Rodrigo, you know, they, they both play a lot of football. They, Valverde's played a lot of football this season. Um, you know, even someone like Edar Militao has has who's not a first-team player, and I don't think he'll be a first-team player for maybe another couple seasons, but he's played a lot of football this season. Ferlan Mendy, who was signed from Leon, I mean, he's come in and he's now first choice, probably over Marcelo, the Zidane has been rotating them a little bit. So Real Madrid just get more value out of, out of the players that they sign. You know, they look at the players that they've bought, they do spend a lot of money, probably as much or maybe slightly less than Barcelona, but they make it count, and that's the difference at the moment. That, which is... Which is- Factually accurate and still strange to say because they they have the reputation, the galactical reputation that, oh, Real Madrid always outspend everybody. But yeah, it's definitely the case that Barcelona have been spending more. Uh, to the Valencia result, uh, that, that 3-0 win, in that game, I believe the front three was Hazard, Benzema, and then Valverde. But you mentioned Valverde could also be maybe the long-term replacement for Luka Modric. Do you think that makes more sense for him to play midfield? And if so, would that then be Vinicius maybe who, who gets the starting gig as the other attacker? Yeah, the, the thing, Valverde's a, a funny one. He he definitely has played his best football as the Modric replacement this season. He's been used on the right side recently, because mainly because Zidane, it's, it's the one position that Real Madrid team where maybe the, he doesn't really know what he's doing at the moment. You know, he does have options with Bale and Isco and Rodrigo has been played out there occasionally, but he's, he's he has better on the left side. So Valverde's been playing out there, and when Valverde plays on the right, you don't get the best out of him. So I, I think once Modric, I think eventually Modric will leave Real Madrid. I think he'll go to Italy um, probably sooner rather than later. Might even be this summer. I wish I could remember remember if his contract's up this summer or not. But I think he will um, be gone from Real Madrid quite soon. At that point, Valverde um, will have no issue stepping into that role because he's he for the first. Two thirds of the season, he was already stepping into that role as as the first the first choice um, at midfielder. I mean, the the Clasico in March, he started over Kroos. Did he start over, or was it Modric? He certainly started. I can't quite remember which one of the two it was. He started over. So Zidane has has total faith in him, and then then I think in, in the front three is is also a little bit of a funny one. You could probably play. And Zidane has been experimenting with this. You can probably play Vinicius on the left. Who Vinicius? I love Vinicius. He 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 is so raw and he makes mistakes and he does the wrong things, but he makes things happen. He opens things up. He dribbles at players. He drives at them, and 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 just things happen when he's on the pitch. Um, so I think he probably could play on the left. Benzema and then Benzema and Hazard is kind of like a central roaming pair is how they, they, they have been playing recently. That obviously leaves a bit of space on the right, but Danny Carvajal is is is, is mobile enough to, to kind of dominate that right wing on his own. He's 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 uh, deceptively fast, Carvajal actually he covers a lot of ground. So I don't think there's much of an issue in it. And in that scenario you could maybe say to Valverde, okay, you you drift slightly out to the right just to cover that space between the central midfield and Carvajal, but in that scenario, he wouldn't have to play, position himself outright for the whole match. Um, so I think that's maybe transitioning into next season when Modric, um, again, I expect him to be phased out the team a little bit more. He's already, that's, that process has already started. I think that's how Real Madrid will look.
Um, and uh, and then we we haven't mentioned in there because he doesn't play for Real Madrid right now. He's out on loan, but we'll see what happens. Is Martin Odegaard? Do you think with the strength that Real Madrid have currently, do you think he gets any opportunities, or do you think it's going to be another season on loan, or maybe at best like sitting on the bench for Real Madrid? Yeah, if, if you if you'd asked me a few months ago before the the pandemic, I would have said he'll be at Real Madrid mm-hmm. for next season. The the narrative is, uh, through the press and just things that have been said, and also Odegaard's performances, he's not been in good form since the restart. It's so sad that in, in general have been really poor. They've been probably the biggest losers, along with Valencia, of, of this kind of restart mini-tournament dystopian World Cup that we're now in. Um, and, and You're coming Odegaard. up with great nicknames today, Graham. Well done, sir. <laughs> I've had a lot of time to think. <laughs> Three months. <laughs> I've got a whiteboard here with just zingers. <laughs> I'm just ticking one off at a time. I appreciate, anyway. I appreciate your dedication to zingers. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Odegaard has been in poor form, and the, the rumblings at Real Madrid is he 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 will stay another season. Of course, that was the original agreement. He has a two-year loan deal. He's only one year through that. So I think that they'll probably keep him out at Sociedad, but. There's no doubt Odegaard has a, a bright future at Real Madrid. Uh, future at Real Madrid, I think he he will be in that midfield sooner, you know, rather than later. I don't think there will be another loan deal. Obviously, he's been loaned out. I think this is his third loan deal. There was a couple in Holland, and then now um, Sociedad. I don't think he'll be loaned out again. I think next time um, he has, there's a decision. There's a crossroads in his career. I, I think he'll be at Real Madrid. But I think now. And this is different to what we would have said a few months ago. I think now um, it looks like he'll spend another season at Sociedad. All right. Sociedad, as you mentioned, in sort of free fall, one point uh, from the five games since the restart uh, on 47 points. One point behind them is Valencia, who have only done marginally better four points uh, in the last five games, which has led to the departure of Albert Salades uh, earlier this week. If you had to sort of like narrow it down, what has gone wrong for Valencia that they've had to make another managerial change and that they are in this sort of lack of run of form? Yeah, I mean, looking at the, the results, I mean, the, the, the one thing that, that stands out is they're, they're really struggling for goals. Um, I mean, in the last four games that they, they played, they, they, they've drawn a blank in, in three of them, which obviously suggests something is not going right because Valencia's attack is actually pretty pretty damn good you know mm-hmm. R- Rodrigo is a, is a striker who basically everyone in Spain has tried to sign uh, at one point or another talking about the, the big three that is um, you know Mario um, not Mario Gomez sorry that's a completely different striker <laughs> uh, Maxi Gomez um, you know cost a bit of money last summer yeah. you know as, as, a, as a good striker um, you know even players like Ferran Torres I mean Ferran Torres is got to be one of Spain's brightest young players if not their most their their, their brightest young player so um you know and then Carlos Soler Danny Parejo of course who's a, a you know a, a stalwart of that team probably one of the the best number 10s in um yeah I would say best I'm, I'm talking about a pure number 10 you know like a, a traditional playmaker he's he's one of the best in Europe Danny Parejo when he's when he's on it um he is one of the best so the the problems I think are 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 in attack. I mean, obviously they're they're not exactly keeping out goals either. But if you were, if you were to 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 look at one thing, you would say whoever comes in, um, obviously Rafiati has has got that job on an interim basis. But whoever has that job on 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 a permanent basis, the attack's got to be the, the one thing that you you get firing. And and it's it's been quite a dramatic slide. I mean, they did score goals 
uh, in the Champions League against uh, Atalanta, Atalanta, you know, that second leg, it was 4-3, wasn't it, in, in, in that game, so in the second leg. So um, they do have the ability in there. You know, they, there are goals in that team. The other thing about Valencia is it's a little bit similar to Barcelona in the way that the the culture and the boardroom politics and just the, the, the general environment at the Mestalla at the moment is, is not a healthy one. Um, it's not one that produces good football teams. It's not one that gives managers a chance to forge a team in their own image. I mean, let's not forget last season at this time, um, obviously minus the pandemic last year, uh, the good old days as they're now known, um, Marcelino had just won the Copa del Rey at Valencia and had led them, while the first half of the season was poor, They'd gone on a great run in the second half of the season and had finished in the Champions League places. So, you know, how how did they go from that when Marcelino was sacked before the start of uh, this season um, and now they're in a mess? I mean, now they're down, what is it, eighth or ninth place that, that, that they're in? Um yeah, they're they're yeah, in a big mess. I mean, the, the, and 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 it comes from the ownership. You know, obviously Peter Lim has put some money in there, but Valencia just their club since the. I mean, really going way back. I mean, what the the Rafa Benitez days, which is obviously a long time ago, but since then they've just been a hot mess of a mm-hmm. club. And um, I don't I don't know that next season will look much better for them to be honest. I mean it really depends who if they can get a manager and who can who can handle it. Marcelino could handle it to a certain extent, but what manager is going to take that job in at, at the moment? It's quite similar to to Barcelona in a way. This is this is final question. This is potentially a silly question, but one that I'm I'm genuinely interested in your thoughts on. Like Valencia is sort of a punchline for Gary Neville's career. That like he goes there, it kind of fails spectacularly, and now he's back. And like oh, he's never going to coach again. Knowing what we now know about Valencia, does that change it at all? Like it was, I mean, it was still a, a strange move when it happened. But I was sort of coming away from that thinking like, okay, Gary Neville maybe shouldn't be a manager. Let's stick to punditry. That's fine. Do do does that sort of let him off the hook at all? That they have been this unstable uh, both before and after his tenure there? Yeah, I think it does a little bit. Um, look, you're, you're not going to get me arguing that Gary Neville you know, was a good manager or deserves <laughs> even another chance. I think he himself, I actually admire Gary Neville for how he's, he will readily admit mm-hmm. he's not a manager and he's a great anal- analysis and a great pundit, but he admits he's not, he's not a manager. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Valencia is a basket case of a club. Um, you look at the managers that, that that they've gone through. I mean, that was what was that? Uh, that, that Gary Neville must have been. I mean, what? to be fair, like three months ago feels like ten years ago. So who yeah, knows? No, yeah, the, the timeline has 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 been blurred uh, recently. But yeah, that that must have been 2015, 2016, I think. So since then, then you've had uh, Paco uh, Voro for a little while who's obviously back in charge as interim manager then then you had uh, Prandelli of course mm-hmm. uh, I forgot about Prandelli um, then you've I mean I'm struggling to think that that's got to be, take you up to Marcelino then Salades mm-hmm. and now uh, Foro's back in charge again so um, yeah it's 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 a mess uh, of a club at the moment and I don't know what's next for them 
All right, so Gary Neville to manage Barcelona confirmed. Graham Ruffin said it first. All right, uh, but we've got some clubs who are going to be having to figure some things out with the rest of the season and with the transfer window looming, such as it is. Uh, I'm sure we'll have Graham to talk about back on to talk about that and many other things. But for now, Graham, thank you for being so generous with your time and taking all the time to make sense of Barcelona and La Liga with me today. Thank you. It's always fun, and uh, stay safe.